How do you find the will to fight back against a world that wants to keep you sedated, average, and stuck in place? Join us for the tools and strategies you need to create a life of abundance, discipline, and high achievement. This business, this is the Tactical Empire with Jeff Smith. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Tactical Empire. Today, I bring you a former naval officer, current business owner in the manufacturing space, and a renowned leadership author, John Rennie. I'm excited to talk to John today and for you guys to get to know him. He's got quite a background. And uh, so welcome, John. Thanks for coming on. Hey, Jeff. Great to see you. Great to see you. Happy holidays. Yeah, happy holidays to you too. We're in that weird spot between Christmas and New Year's. So well, I'm still in the office though. We're still trying to ship product before the end of the year. Same, same. It's uh it we're trying to get a little edge headed into the new year and not wait for 2022. Right. Um so we were just having a chat offline about your background, but like tell the people listening kind of where you come from. You've written multiple books, right? Yeah, I've got uh, two best-selling uh, books uh, on leadership, uh, mostly from my experiences in the, in the military and then how I brought that to the business world, both in corporate and in the entrepreneurial space. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. And, and you have a quite a background in the corporate world, correct? A couple decades. Yeah. So I, I, you know, I did, um, I, I, you know, I came out of college as a mechanical engineer. I did five years as a Naval officer, uh, on, uh, in submarines. I was a submarine officer. I spent uh, five years at the end of the cold war making, uh, deployments. I made seven deployments towards the end of the, you know, as we wrapped up the Cold War. And then um, like a lot of guys, I got out, um, you know, and got the, that big job offered a big, uh, you know, global company. And I ended up working for three different global companies uh, in 22 years of my career. And during that time, I ran eight different manufacturing businesses for those corporations. So they sent me around to where there was problems and I, you know, turned turn businesses around and all that stuff. And I made a lot of money for those big companies. And so six years ago, I decided to uh, unplug from uh, corporate life and start my own business and uh, do it for myself and for my team. And a lot of my um, employees are actually all of my employees came from big companies and they just decided to kind of unplug from the matrix and, uh, you know, kind of do it on their own. So we are, uh, you know, we're a small company and uh, we compete against very large global businesses. And uh, we were, we're making a name for ourselves and we're carving out a little niche uh, in our world. So, yeah, I mean, so I've got the military experience, I've got the corporate experience, and now, of course, the entrepreneurial experience as well. Did you find that there was a big difference between the, the corporate, and, and I could probably answer this for you, but I'd love to hear your answer being, being the expert, uh, because like I said, uh, I, I did 18 years in the corporate world as well. So we have a similar background, um, except I wasn't in manufacturing at all. Um, <clears throat> I came from financial services and insurance. Um, so that, that would be the, the biggest difference. But when you came out of that world, it, tell me and the listeners kind of the biggest difference that you think 
that you identified from a leadership standpoint between leading in the corporate world and leading in the small to medium-sized business venture that you're in right now? Yeah, I mean, you know, being on a submarine is kind of a unique environment in that uh, we were all kind of locked in a metal tube for there's 155 of us. We would leave for three months at a time and, um, you know, nobody left, nobody came on board. You know, we were sort of in our own little world. So you were interfacing with people, you know, 24 seven, when you were a leader, you know, as a, as a junior officer, I, uh, I was in charge 24 seven. There was no taking the day, you know, no going home at the end of the day and kicking your feet up and watching, you know, Netflix. Right. So you were a leader all the time and, and there was no weekends off. You just did it. I mean, that's, you did it 24 seven. So when I came to, uh, well, and the other thing is I got to know my, the people that worked for me and the people that I worked with and, and the people I worked for, we had intimate knowledge of each other, right? We knew each other really well. So, you know, contrast that to come to, to corporate America, I get my first job as a design engineer for this large global company. They put me in a cubicle. It took them a month to get me a computer. They gave me a stapler. I do have, a, I still have that stapler, by the way. And uh, I had nothing to do for 30 days. I, I didn't even know what, what, why they hired me. And so I, I, you know, it was almost like, and, and everything was at a slower pace. Like everybody would say, oh, we'll do that tomorrow. Like, oh, that'll get done tomorrow. You know, in, in the military, it was like, it had to get done. Everything had to get done now. There was no tomorrow. It, and so there was a slower pace. Uh, there were cubicles. Everyone sort of sat, nobody moved around. And, and, uh, and, and my boss at the time, you know, hired me, but then really told me why he hired me. So it was just a weird experience. Like, uh, I went from being really an, an important part of a, of a military unit to just some guy in a cubicle with a stapler, right? It was really weird. And, uh, eventually, but the, the experiences I had in the military, which was, you know, for us, at least was when you got on board a boat, most important thing you don't want to do is get qualified. So add value to that that you know military asset so i took that mindset when i got to corporate and said well how can i add value and so since nobody was telling me how to how to do it i just figured it out on my own and and i would meet with you know guys have been there a long time and say well what do you do what's this job like what am i supposed to be doing right now when you go to the shop floor take me with you i want to learn teach me so and, and i read you know i read the standards for our industry and i became an expert in the you know the engineering standards the 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 quality standards and and I was trying to add value, trying to be valuable. And uh, eventually that led to me getting put into management positions. And at 32 years old, I was given my first manufacturing plant. So, but that military experience of like, okay, you know, you got to get qualified. You have to add value. You know, we used to say on the boat, if, you know, if you weren't qualified, you were a nub, which was called a non-useful body, right? You were stealing oxygen and food from others that did add value. So there was a positive peer pressure to get qualified. And when I come to the corporate world, there's just no pressure to do anything. It was just like, yeah, don't worry about it. It'll get done. Don't worry about it, you know? And so I took, I sort of took that mindset that I learned in the military and brought it to corporate. And that's how I was able to kind of move up quickly get get operations and uh, eventually run manufacturing plants, uh, you know, all over the East Coast. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. <laughs> the The fact that you had the stick-to-itiveness to, to stick with it, because I, I would say the experience that I had that was different than that and uh, was that I, I came out of a special operations unit. We were highly active and uh, operational and the the level that you 
operated at was extremely high. Then you came into the corporate world and it, it ground me down, I guess. And, and it was because of my personal decisions as far as like, there was no, there was no opportunity to perform is the way I kind of saw it. You could perform, but you couldn't perform or excel. And even when you did, it didn't really matter. Um, yeah. And, yeah. and, and so it's just an environment of mediocrity and it truly, it truly is. And, and, and you're around a bunch of people that like, don't give a shit after four o'clock. Yeah. Like yeah. as soon as they head out to the parking lot, like that particular job or whatever they're working on is, is a complete afterthought to them. And, and that is not what I was used to. Um, but what I allowed it to do was erode down my discipline and my ability to stay sharp. And, and I, I feel like I wasted years being falling into that level of complacency that like most people slip into. Um, and, and it's, it's been me doing a lot of self-discovery and a lot of work on myself to, to pull myself back out of that. But it, but it all goes back to exactly what we did in the military, which was the discipline of er everyday tasks. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, you're right. And, and I think there's an allure with, with, with corporate life, right? There's a, there's a, I mean, you, you call it, I'll kind of call it security in quotes because you feel there's a comfort zone, right? Like I get, I'm getting a big paycheck. I get, you know, good bonuses if I hit my numbers, uh, good, you know, good benefits. I mean, um, and it's almost like you, you get you get lured into the comfort zone. And I would say this in my 22 years, I felt like it was soul sucking, like it was taking my soul and I was just allowing it because, you know, again, I'm, I'm putting, you know, putting kids through school. I'm, I'm raising a family. I'm paying a mortgage. I'm paying car payments. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to keep this thing going right because i can't really afford to leave it because i'm getting paid too much and i'm making too much money and and it's like i you know so there's a there's a complacency there but but i think at the same time it's stealing your soul and, you, and you're not the same person you were and you you compromise too much over over a long period of time and that's what i think that's what finally did it for me i actually left one company and went to go work for another global company and when i realized that it was exactly the same it was just a different it was a different uh, name over the door. That's when I made my first decision. I said, I'm, 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 I'm done with corporate life. I was only in that job for two years. And I was like, I'm, I'm done. I'm completely done. I can't do it anymore. And so that's when I knew I had to be off on my own and, and uh, kind of yeah. like you re rediscover. I mean, it's a challenge, right? You know, when you say I'm going to do this on my own, I don't have the, you know, I, I've always had the military and or big corporations behind me. Now it's just me, you know, and I yeah. think that's, that's intimidating. That's hard. And that's way outside your comfort zone. And, and, uh, you know, I can read a PL statement. I can read a balance sheet. I know how to run a manufacturing business, but I've never done, done it on my own where it's like my cash and my, you know, and my money and my resources. And yeah, it's, it's, it's really scary. So, but, but, but it's been the best experience of my life the past six years. Yeah. It really is. Once you settle into it, cause, cause the term soul sucking is a great description of, of what it does because you may, it, what you don't realize when you get into it, I, in the, into the corporate world, into the nine to five is that you're making daily compromises yeah. with your, um, 
what, what, what is the word I'm looking for? Your, your purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Your purpose. Cause no one's purpose is to go sit in that cubicle. Well, maybe, I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe it's not yeah. mine. And, and, and I think that was, that was the thing that over time just graded on me. Yeah. And because because I came out of the military and I had six months to transition back into my job. They they guaranteed me a position at the, the corporation that I was with. And um, I had six months to go back. I was back in that cubicle within a week. I, mm-hmm. I didn't take any time. And, and so I just moved into the next thing. And for me, over time, that manifested itself into more problems than than good things. And, uh, but you're right. The, uh, the golden handcuffs is what I call them. They give you just enough raises and just enough incentives and just enough security to make you feel like this is a pretty good thing. You start having kids, you like, uh, you have a wife, kids, home, dogs, picket fence, whatever to support. And, and it seems very risky to take it all to zero. Right and uh bet on yourself but it, I, I think it is it, it's certainly invigorating i mean um the, do you have any regrets would you have done anything differently like you walked no. away on your terms it sounds like no I, you know i wouldn't do anything differently and and, and here's here's my point and you know i i talked to a lot of young people coming out of i talked to a lot of graduate uh, i go you know, teach leadership at graduate uh, school various graduate schools and I talk to young, you know, students coming They're, you know, they've gotten their undergraduate and say engineering and they're going for the MBA and I get a chance to come in and talk to them. And, and one of the things I say is like, go work for a corporation, go work for a big company, learn your craft, learn your trade, be, you know, become really familiar with your market, especially what you're, you know, what you're really attractive to, attracted to. And, you know, corporations are a great place to learn. I mean, I, I went through so many leadership trainings. I traveled all over the world. Um, I've got to do things that are unimaginable. I mean, I, I, for example, I got picked to go to Cambridge University to get a master's degree when I was with one company. And uh, so wow. I, I, you know, I, I went to the UK, spent, you know, two and a half years working on a master's degree. Uh, what a great experience. I traveled all over the world with that, with that, uh, with that degree program. My point is, is that you know, these corporations, they do give you really good opportunities to get experience, to get travel, to get education, to get training. But I think at some point you you got to leave. <laughs> you can't stay because I think it really does. Uh, you get to the point where it makes it really difficult to stay once you're once you're in, you know, your income's at a certain level, your expenses are a certain level, and then you're sort of like locked in, you're stuck. Mm-hmm. And so but I do encourage the young people to go go there and learn from you know, what's, you know, you're, you're into, you know, whatever you want to be into cell phones, go work for Apple, you know, figure out, figure out what life is like there. Right. And, uh, and then do it on your own or whatever. I mean, just go, go to where the best of the best are, learn those skill sets and then do it on your own, you know? So I think that's something that uh, I, I think is a good lesson. So I don't regret working in, in corporation. I, I got a lot of ex- great experiences, met a lot of great people. And, uh, but, Again, I think, uh, and I think it's hard as a young entrepreneur to say, well, I'm going to start my own business doing whatever. Well, have you ever done that before? You know, and I think when I started my business, like I, I think we were talk, talking uh, offline is that uh, 
you know, the, the, the manufacturing side, the product development side, the, that's all easy, right? I've been doing that for years. That was easy. Right. So, you right. know, uh, because I've been doing it for years for other people. So I think, I think working in a corporation is not a bad thing. It's just, you got to make sure you don't, you don't stay, you know, you don't get stuck. Yeah. That's an excellent perspective because I, we own a gym that we've owned for like 11 years in Houston. And, and that was one of the first businesses I started outside of being a real estate investor and buying an apartment complex. Um, but in the gym space, it, like to your point, I am big on headhunting um, guys that come out of the big corporate gyms mm -hmm. because they spend a lot of money on continuing education there's, there's all those programs that you're talking about. And, and I did the same thing. I worked for state farm and I did all these series six stuff and, and different financial services education that I had the opportunity to be able to do because I was with a big corporation. And so like, that's really interesting perspective considering like I'm, I'm working through all this stuff in my head with my kids. And cause I, I think the world's changing at a, really fast rate. And, um, it, who knows what the validity of college and things like that in the path <laughs> is going to be yeah. in, in 10 years. And so, um, but yeah, that's an interesting point because I would not have ever led with what you just said, which is like, there's so much validity and in going into the corporate world. It's a, it's a really great experience. It comes with all these perks and benefits and like it, your, your perspective has shifted my mindset on it. Cause you're exactly right. I probably stayed about eight years too long in the corporate world. And be, because I did what, what we're talking about, I took the raises and, and I got to the point where I'm just like, man, this fucking hurts. Like <laughs> it's a big gulp in your throat when you're like, Oh, I'm giving up a couple hundred grand to take this shot. And so if, if I was teaching my kids or I have a really good example about a, a, a guy who I do business consulting for, who's, who's got a really great job. He's a green beret. He just got out of the service, took a great corporate job at mid six figures. They're, they're paying him well. And, uh, he already wants out. And yeah. so, so he's kind of looking how to take that leap. And, uh, so it, that the the point that you make about like you have to really examine like what your exit strategy is and and yes. i think you have to keep your exit strategy in mind the whole whole time it, even if that's like peeling off 60 percent of your salary before it ever hits your bank account the whole time you'll be in a better spot obviously um but but you have to create that space and distance so that you're not reliant on on those those perks and benefits that they give you yeah, you know, I, I was never a, a I was never a pilot, but I always, you know, uh, you know, the Navy pilots, uh, you know, I always think of like the similar scenario where you're flying the jet, but you've got a hand ready to punch out at any point in time when you know. So you're you're not 100 percent on the on the stick all the time. You're also thinking about how am I going to get out of this because I think it it really is hard to um, escape if you if you don't have that exit strategy. So you've got to go in with the mindset, I'm going to learn as much as I can about this topic so that I can eventually start a business on my own in this particular area. But you have to go in with that mindset. Otherwise, I think it's too easy, too comfortable. 
I, I think the world has changed. I think you're exactly right. And I think, just, you know, the days when you go work for one company your whole career, you know, get the gold watch and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and retire, that, that that's over, right? Um, so, you know, most most employees are very portable. They're they're taking their skills and they're going to different companies. They're they're jumping companies a lot more. It's not looked down upon anymore when you jump companies anymore. So that's uh, less of a problem as it was when I was, you know, just starting my career. People said, oh, you don't want to be jumping around. You want to be look like that person that that only stays with a job two years or whatever. But everybody's doing that now. And so it's not not that big of a deal. So yeah, I think I think you've you've got to go with go in with a mindset that you're going to be doing something different or or what is what is it that you want to do? What's your dream and what's your desire? How do you then get the experiences and skills to get there? Whether it's you know working for a small business or working for a corporation, where are you going to where are you going to gain those skills best to be able to do ultimately what you want to do in your life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you 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 want that sense of purpose. So you want it, like, I think innately human nature is that we want to work and feel valued. Right. So it's not like, Hey, I'm trying to check out of it, my work altogether. And then, um, I, I've personally believe there's a lot to be learned with regards to how money works and the financial systems and things like that, because, conventionally what they're teaching you, which is why they're setting you up for your 401k automatic distribution. The second you get in the corporate world and things like that is because they don't want you to have that money for 40 years. Mm -hmm. And, and so a lot of what like I talk about with my clients and things like that is, is finding alternative investment strategies that are going to kick you money now. And, yeah. and, and what is that investment vehicle? Because if you're butting, buttoning yourself up, which is what I did in the corporate world, as soon as like I got downsized, which is why I ended up leaving. Um, and it wasn't, it, it was by my choice because they, they asked me to relocate and I refused to relocate. I wouldn't, I wouldn't take the move, which turned out to be hilarious because in typical corporate fashion, they would have bought my house and moved me to Dallas. And then 60 days later, they would have bought that house and moved me to Illinois. And, okay. uh, because they didn't have their shit together. So I would have had to yeah, uproot yeah. my family twice. And, uh, so, but I, I initially turned down the very first move. And, um, so then they put me on a timeline. I had like 16 months and, and then it was 16 months till D day. Right. So I started buying rental properties immediately. Yeah. And I was like, I, we need residual cash flow out of these rental properties. So I'm just going to start investing all of our money into different rent houses. Right. And so I think that if you go in with the mindset that, Hey, we're going to put together an eight to 10 year plan and this corporation is going to foot the bill for that next step. Like you can, you can be very deliberate about your exit. Yeah. Cause I 100%. mean, yeah, no, no, that's exactly right. And, and I think you touched on something that's really important. And I didn't do this. I, I learned this skill too late, I guess, too far along in my life. I wish I had learned it early on, which is multiple income streams, right? That is a really important part of life. And, and nobody teaches you that, right? So they teach you, go get a job, you make your money. I, I was always, you know, when I was in the military, I was 100% focused on the military job. When I was in corporate, I was 100% focused on the corporate job. Uh, and, you know, what I realized is that I'd never really built up, a, if you will, a brand outside of who I was in the corporation. I never built up 
multiple income streams outside of who I was other than my you know, investments and things like that. So I think that's a really big part of it. And that also gives you independence too from, or, you know, it, it minimizes the risk of just being all in with a corporate job. And that is, you know, having some sources of income that you can grow and that can, you know, eventually maybe be your, your exit strategy out of the corporate world. But I think that's, you know, multiple income strategies is probably one of the most important things I wish I had learned as a young person, and I'm glad I know it now. So let's talk about that a little bit, because that's, that's a really great point. Building your own personal brand, right? This is something that I uh, did not do for mm -hmm. the first 10 years in business at all. Like I shied away from it. It wasn't my yeah. thing. I didn't want to be out there. I wasn't the face of our gym. I wasn't the face of anything. I didn't put my own stuff on social media. Um, I, I was just real private. And, uh, and I think that's been a bit detrimental because now I'm like playing catch up, right? I'm, I'm chasing it yeah. down over the last two years or so, trying to build this, this personal brand, which is, feels a little weird um, at this weird. point. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and so, um, tell me a little bit more about that. When did you start building your personal brand and how would you have kind of approached things differently? What have you learned? Yeah, I think I started doing it when I was getting, when I left, um, the one company and went to the other company, I, I sort of right at that time, I was realizing that probably my life in corporate was over. I've right? just, just, just the, the, yeah, I mean, it was at the point where I, you know, uh, I, I was feeling like I got to get out of here. You know, is that I was starting to get those uncomfortable feelings like there was way too much compromise. And that's and that's ultimately what, what led me to leave that company and go to another one. But it was right around that time where I started, um, you know, it's when I when I bought the URL to my name. Right. And, and I encourage people to do that, even if you're not going to work on a personal brand, buy the website to your name, right? Own yep. that, own that resource, own that real estate. So I did that. And um, at the time it was just a blogging, you know, page. I would just, mm -hmm. I would write articles once a week on that. Um, and it really, you know, whatever my, I didn't really have a personal brand. Um, I just had a website where I wrote things on. And, um, but then I, you know, again, what I, what I noticed is that it was resonating with a lot of people, you know, the leadership articles I was writing, the things I was writing about, it resonated with a lot of people. And so the website kind of grew from there, from, from just being a place for, uh, you know, articles to, uh, you know, a lot more content, a lot more, uh, you know, we went into a, started a podcast, uh, wrote a couple of books, um, and it, you know, it kind of grew from there. And, 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 uh, and now I have a brand, you go to my website, you're like, Oh, this guy, you know, he writes books. He, he, he runs a business. I mean, so you get the feel for who I am. Oh, he's a former submariner. So I have like a brand, if you will, but it is weird. Like, because, you know, again, um, you know, in the military, even in corporate, you just did your job, right? You know, you, you did your assignment. I, you know, who you were wasn't that important. You were, you were just, you know, you had a mission to do and you, you, you had people and you achieved a mission, but you weren't really focused on who you are as a person. So that was, it's always been a little weird. I think probably for me, at least some of the social media, like Twitter for me is natural because you can have, you can talk about, um, you know, leadership topics and things like that. Instagram is more like, oh, hey, look at me, look at what I'm doing. And that's always been a little weird to me because, you know, uh, I'm not really big about, you know, 
well, look at this great dinner I'm having or who I'm looking at my hanging out with. Look at my fancy car. That's not who I, I drive a pickup truck. I, yep. I, I run a manufacturing business. I'm, I'm pretty boring, you know? So, so, you know, having that kind of thing, you know, as a personal brand has always been a little difficult for me. It's not, not who I am necessarily. So, yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting though, because people want to see like one of the ways that, I've heard it described though, is because it, it's your social capital. Yeah. Yeah. In the future. Right. So we do, we do, my wife and I do a decent amount of investing. And some of that is like third party investing in other businesses and real estate ventures, things like that. And um, so when you go to make these partnerships and you network and things like that, the first thing people do is go look you up. Right. And so they're like, what's this guy all about? And so um, I I think people are probably interested in you and like, I I know other great writers and uh, people are all, I'm fascinated by it. I'm sure other people are fascinated by like what that looks like, the writing process. Do you write every morning? Do you try to hit a thousand words a day? Like how do you sharpen your skill set? in that arena because most people just sit down and they're like uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know even where to start right yeah and so um i i could see there being a lot of different aspects of your brand that are attractive to people and like you run multiple businesses okay how do you keep up with it all like just the typical questions that people hear and see like you've got a family you've got yeah. kids yeah. All, all of it like so it your story is interesting because you're also a fairly new manufacturing firm that's been able to grab a foothold. So like, what are you doing in that space? Mm. So, yeah, I mean, I, I want to watch the John Rennie show. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. Yeah. It's pretty funny. Cause I, you know, my, I get made fun of a lot. Cause I'm, I'm a pretty boring guy. You know, I, I get up, I do get up at 4am. That's my big thing. You know, I get up at 4am and I write and I write until five and five, I work out until six and six to seven, I get ready for work and seven, I go to go to the factory and run the business. And, uh, at night I, I, I either write, uh, or I, or, or I do interviews for podcasts for my podcast. So two nights a week, I usually do interviews for podcasts and I write the rest of the time. So, uh, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's boring. I go to bed early and I get up early. So it's a really boring life. I do like bourbon. So that's my, that's my wild, <laughs> that's the, my wild side is I, I enjoy a glass of bourbon, not every night, but a lot of nights and uh, I don't ever get drunk, but I just love the taste of bourbon. I just like it sitting by a fire and, and having a cigar and that's my thing, you know? So, but yeah, it's kind of a boring life. And, uh, but uh, you know, I think if you want to achieve difficult things, if you can't, I don't know. You, you got to put the, the reps in, you got to work hard, you know? And I think that's something that I've always had and I enjoy. I'll tell you, the thing is, you know, with, with the writing process, um, you know, the first book was sort of a test. Like I, I've never done this before. I'm going to try it to see what it was all about. And um, I hired a writing coach to help me along the, you know, just to understand the whole process. And it was super helpful. And then um, learned the whole process of how to publish a book, self publish a book. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, and, and so during the whole process, I met so many different authors. I, I, I listened, I, I, you know, I try to try to pick their brains, like what's the best way to do this? How, how should I do it? And, you know, do I go with a traditional publisher? Do I self-publish? So I learned all this stuff. 
But the thing that I never expected, which was, you know, I publish the book, we market it, we sell it. I am selling so many of this, my first book that uh, even today, my, my, so I'm debt free. I have a mortgage. So, but my mortgage payment for three years has been paid by my book sales, you know, and, and that's the thing that nobody ever, I never expected that. I thought I would write a book, you know, I'd have mom, my, my mom and dad and, and my brother buy a copy and then I would, you know, that was it. So, but, you know, so it was really weird to see um, that explode and become a really good passive source of income that I never had planned to be a passive source of income. So then it was a little bit like I kind of got hooked and I'm like, all right, well, that was kind of cool. Let's see if I can do that again, you know? So, so I think that, um, and not, you know, not to say that everybody's a writer and not to say that everybody can find this source of income and be successful with it. But for me, at least it worked. And, um, and it was kind of, it was really eye-opening. Like, and, and like I said earlier, it was like, why didn't I think about this like 10 years ago or 15 years ago or 20 years ago, you know? So, uh, but I mean, I think now, uh, you know, I've got a lot of life experiences, so it's great. To, I've got plenty of stories to tell now. So, you know, for sure, for sure. So when did you start John Rennie.com? Uh, let's see, I'm probably 2000. Uh, let's see, what are we? Oh, I don't know. 16, maybe 2016. Okay. Yeah. Six years, yeah. six years. Yeah. See, yeah, no, maybe it's earlier than maybe 2015 now, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Seven no, years. 2014. See? Sorry. Yeah. 2014. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sorry. I think back. <laughs> Going on eight years then. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. It, like, I, I think that's the most common misconception because you talk about the simplicity of your life. I truly believe like that is what, actually delivers the results is the consistency and simplicity of focus. And cause I'm super simple too. I get up at four 30 in the morning. I do the same shit every single day, every yeah. single day. And yep. I've got four kids. And so our days are chaos and circus. <laughs> and, uh, but, but at its root, what I do is very simple. Um, I operate multiple businesses as well. And, and it seems like there's a lot going on, but underneath it all, it's very functional and the, but I also have to focus my time. Right. Um, what I think the misconception that people often suffer from, especially in the corporate world, or if you have that job right now and you're sitting at your desk and you don't know how to get out of it is that it takes a lot of reps and a long time to, to create success, but it's not nearly as long as you think it is. Oh yeah. Like yeah. It, you being seven years, most everybody I know that is wildly successful is, is at about that same point. They've only been buckled down, dialed in for somewhere about five to 10 years. Yeah. And like, that's when the hockey stick starts. And then by the time you hit 20 years and 23 years, 25 years, you're just on a different level at that point in time. But like everybody quits in the first 60 months yeah, yeah. and gives up. And, and, and I see this in industry doesn't matter. Like yeah. gender yeah. doesn't matter. It's all the same. Like people can't stick with anything for a yeah. period of time. And so the fact that you've been doing it for seven years is I'm just like spot on. That's when he actually started putting in the work 
that led to the residual income that paid your mortgage that led to the best selling books. And, yeah, yeah. and, and now, I mean, the sky's the limit. You can branch off and do all kinds of shit with it, but oh, yeah. You, yeah, no, I've been doing uh keynotes now. So like the big thing is like, I get hired to go, go speak at a event and I'm like, wait, what? Like how much are you going to pay me to come speak? All right. I mean, I I used to do that. I mean, I, I, you know, and again, I did that for free for so long and now it's like, oh, we get paid to do it. So I think that's kind of a neat thing too, is that, uh, and I think you have to be willing to do things for free in the beginning and, and, and get those reps and, and get some practice and learn, learn, your, find your voice. I think it's part of it is like, who are you? You know, part of, part of personal branding is what's your voice? Who, who are you and what do you stand for? And that took a little while to figure out. Okay. Um, you know, like my tagline from the first book is that leadership is a people business. And that's one of the, one of the speeches I give is talking about, you know, the importance of people in, 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 uh, in running our organizations. And, and, you know, I didn't write the book thinking that was going to be the tagline. That tagline came out of the book and that people talking about the book and, and that became sort of part of my brand now. And, and, but I wouldn't have said, I didn't start with the, with the tagline and, be, and build a brand. I built a brand and then the tagline sort of came about. So, you know. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Huh. So what do you see in the future for you? Well, you know, I think, I, I love what I do. I love the manufacturing business. Um, I, I would like it to be sort of a legacy thing where I could step away from it at some point where I allow others to, to lead it. What do you it. manufacture? Sorry, so I we, didn't clarify So that. yeah, yeah, we make product for electric utilities. So a lot of the stuff that you see on power lines, uh, distribution power uh, is the stuff that we manufacture. So, uh, you know, one thing that's great about it is that everybody wants electricity and everybody needs electricity. So it doesn't matter how the electricity is, is uh, generated. So we don't care if it's coal, uh, wind, solar, you're going to need to take it and move it to someplace else. And mm -hmm. so our products help do that. And we do it in a kind of an efficient way. And uh, our products, you know, are slightly better than the competition. We deliver it faster than competition. And so we've built a, a niche for doing that. But um, it's a very, uh, how do I say this? It's a very conservative, slow moving industry. So um, being a little innovative and fast, you can actually make a name for yourself in this business because it's not, it's not the computer business, not the cell phone business. It's kind of a slow moving, you know, yeah. very old business that we've sort of merged into. So it's super relationship based too. My father-in-law was in IT. He, he was in IT, but he was in manufacturing for a bunch of different companies. And, uh, it, it's been interesting to learn about how that space kind of works. Do you have a sales yeah. team? We or are you the sales, sales guy? Reps. Yeah, I am. I am the face of the sales. Yeah. Sales and marketing, but, uh, we do have a, a rep, uh, uh, sales reps around the country. So we got them in every state, uh, that, that represent our products, but, but mostly I'm the full-time sales. Yeah. Well, and CEO gotcha. and everything else. Clean yeah. the bathrooms yeah. if they need it. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Wear of many hats. I totally yeah. understand that. Um, so you have two sons that are grown, right? One's in the military. Yeah. My youngest is in the Navy. My oldest is, uh, he finished a master's in accounting and he works for a large, uh, you know, accounting firm. Um, and so, yeah, so both of them have, have left, left the house. Yeah. Well, they're, yeah. they're here now for the holidays, but normally they're not here. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fantastic that you guys are spending some family time together. Um, 
Well, we've talked about a variety of topics today. If you were to leave us with one particular leadership tip, what do you think that would be? In today's climate, you, you've dealt with COVID. We've dealt with COVID in our businesses. Entrepreneurs have to be flexible, agile. Um, it, obviously, the world's changing a bit. We've talked a little bit about that. Um, what, what's, your, what's your guidance for somebody? Let's actually talk about... Um, what would your guidance be for someone that's trying to make the leap from a corporate job or a secure job into the entrepreneurial space from a leadership standpoint, because they know they have to run a team. You have to run a business. You have to be the leader ultimately. Yeah. I think that the message would be that, that, that people bring our plans to life. Right. So I think, um, we tend to focus, especially as entrepreneurs, we think, well, I got to have the right business plan. I got to have the right logo. I've got to have the right uh, website. I've got to get the right, um, uh, you know, I got, I got to get the right uh, marketing campaign or what have you. And uh, I would say at least in the, you know, and, and I'm talking to people who aren't solo entrepreneurs, right? But if you're going to, if you're going to build a team, your team is going to bring your vision to life. Your team is going to bring your plans to life. And um, so, you know, when it comes to people and bringing people onto your team, you have to recognize that you have, if you have five people working for you, every one of those people is, is extremely valuable to your team. It's almost like a Navy SEAL team, right? Everybody has, a, has to have a high level of capability, right? And has to be able to perform, uh, you know, what I like to do is, is try to find people that, that are experts in certain fields and are generalists in other fields. So they can, so when a certain part of the project comes up and I need a computer guy, I've got the computer guy. I need a financial guy, I've got the financial guy. But they also have a high level capability of just, uh, you know, running running the business effectively. So finding that right team, every hire is critically important. Every hire represents 20% of your employees, right? You know, it, it, it's not like, you know, when you're in a, you know, when I had 600 employees work for me, one employee being a problem isn't, isn't going to be a big deal. Five employees, one employee is going to be a big deal. So those, 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 that team you build is critically important and um, they've got to have the right mindset. I would say this, I always look for the people that have faced difficulty in their lives and have overcome it. So I do hire a lot of veterans. I do believe that that is a very, um, having that experience and being able to do hard things and not give up that's the kind of mentality you want to find if you're going to build up a team in a small business. You have more people that won't give up, that are um, that have been challenged, that you know have the scars, they have the stories, and they're able to carry on even when things get tough. That's the type of people you want on your team. Yeah, yeah, that's great advice. All right, John, where do people find you? Yeah, it's at johnsrenny.com, and everything is there. You know, social media links, uh, my books are there, my articles are there, links to the podcast, all there, johnsrenny.com. It doesn't matter how you spell John, you will get to my website. So that's another little tip for entrepreneurs. If your name is spelled unique or different, own the URL for all different spellings of your name, and that makes it easier. So johnsrenny.com, it is J-O-N, by the way, uh, but if you, if you actually put J-O-H-N, you'll end up there as well. But it's johnsrenny.com. Awesome. Awesome. Guys, go check him out. If you need a speaker for a keynote in the future, John will be your guy for leadership. Thanks for coming on today, man. I really appreciate it. It was great hearing your story and getting to know more insight about what you do. 
Yeah, thanks, Jeff. This has been a lot of fun. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the show. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review, and share with a friend. We'll, we'll, we'll see you. We'll see you on the next episode. Next episode of the Tactical Empire.